Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue in the book of Genesis. Here's Tom. The heavens and the earth that's referred to here in Genesis 1-1 has an end. Don't look at your house and say, now i got to get it just perfect, just perfect, just right. Don't look at your possessions and say, I need to just buy this and then I'll be happy and then I'll be complete. God became a man, Jesus of Nazareth, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he took on him your sins and he died for you and he rose on the third day. And all you do is you call on him and ask him to save you. May it never be said of us that a lost soul that God says you are to bring the good news of salvation to that person, that that should happen to him. Or if it does, then when he lifts up his eyes, he says, he was right. She was right. It's my own fault. I'm here. I resisted all the way. There's one thing you can never do in heaven. You can never do in heaven. You can't go win souls in heaven. They're either won or lost. It's finished at that point. That burning issue was so much pressing on the Lord Jesus Christ that he said, those words, I must be about my father's business. I have food to eat that you don't need to eat that you know not of. he, He set his face to go to Jerusalem like a flint. He, when he got finished, it was all the, 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 the pressure of it all. He said, I finished the work you gave me to do. When he was 12 years old, I had a work you gave me to do. I must be about my father's business. In John 17, I finished the work thou gavest me to do. I must work the works of him that sent me, he said. John 9, 4. The night cometh when no man can work. So in the beginning, leaves us with a concern, a deep concern. Not to be like the captain of that Italian cruise ship, first off the ship, you know, accidentally fell into the lifeboat. Not to be like that, but to be what he should have been, last one off the ship. That should be us, last one off the ship, to make sure that the lost get saved, as many as can get saved. My job, not to go run for my own safety. My job, get them saved, as many as possible. Now, third concern within the beginning. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Third concern about in the beginning. This passage, which is all very familiar to us, says in Matthew 6, 24, it talks about two masters. And it says we can't serve both of them. He said it's either going to boil down to a love-hate relationship. He says you'll love one and hate the other. Or it's going to be a whole despise relationship. You can't serve God and riches, he says. He says, therefore I say unto you, don't, take no thought. Don't be overcared for. Don't get over-anxious for. Don't get uptight over your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Now, the life is more than meat. And then he says in verse 26, behold, look at this, the fowls of the air. Look how they don't sow, number one. Look how they don't reap, number two. Look how they don't put up in barns, number three. But your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you much more better than them, okay? Now look at verse 28. Why are you taking thought for the raiment? Consider, look at this. Look at the lilies. Lilies of the field. How they grow. They don't toil, number one. They don't spin, number two. 
But I say to you, even Solomon, all his glory, he wasn't dressed like them. He says, O you of little faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things, the nations, the other nations who don't know God, they seek after those things. But your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All those things, chump change for God. Nothing. Don't waste your life on chump change for God. They'll be added to you. Your job, seek God first. We have a decision to make in life. We naturally worry. I don't know, but I worry. I mean, verse, number one, verse 25 says, you worry about your life. We worry about our life. We worry about several things about our life. We worry about the past of our life, even though we can't change it. We still worry about it. We worry about the future of our life. 90% will never happen. We worry about what others think of us, think about us. Most of them, it's either they don't think that or they think worse. We worry about our health, and that brings stress, and then our health gets worse. We worry about our food, what we shall eat. I don't know about you, I, 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 have an, I, I have an inventory of what's in our refrigerator. I can tell you how much leftovers we have of what and where we get, and what has been bought and needs to be cooked. I drive my wife crazy. Oh, especially when I was on chemo. Everybody loses weight on chemo. Not Tom. He gains <laughs> 55 pounds. Right after lunch, I'm on chemo. I say to my wife, what's for dinner? <laughs> he answers, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We worried about our clothing, you know, what you put on. When we first came to Ethiopia, there was a, a group there that helped us tremendously called Project Mercy. And we, when we would go there, we lived on their compound. We built our pilot facility on their compound for our mice. And it's an interesting place. They have about 1,500 children that go to school there. And these are Ethiopian kids in the area we're in. And this place, Project Mercy, has a relationship with a school called Georgetown Day School in Georgetown, where the tuition for a preschooler, not room and board, just the tuition, is $29,650. So you got a lot of kids? They're happy. Now, uh, oh, and and it's not so bad, because when you get to high school, 12th grade is $34,000 tuition. All right. Now, so you can imagine um, the economic status, economic level that the students who go to Georgetown Day School are from. And so they have a relationship with Project Mercy where kids from Georgetown Day School go to Project Mercy and they, and they go there and work with the kids. So we were working there and, and living there in the compound and we'd see these groups of rich kids come and arrive there. And it was very interesting because some of them had, re- had, had some real attitudes. And I remember one, I'm, just, I'm not going to tell you his name, I'm just going to call him Jay. And um, he was a high schooler, and he really, he didn't, he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be there, and, um, but something happened, and I was told this by Marta, who's the director there. And he would sit on the steps of the school, and he was supposed to teach English. He would sit on the steps of school with his iPod, just sit there and say, and they had this look like, what am I doing here? And, you know, the, anyway, so one morning the kids were arriving and they were walking three hours, some were walking three hours over 11,000 feet, uh, Mount Guragi, and then the, and, and over a dangerous mountain with hyenas and child rapists are there. And anyway, and these kids are wearing the clothes that had holes in them. And, and no one got those clothes for them. They were just passed to them by somebody, some older kid and hand-me-downs. And so... Jay is sitting there listening to his iPod on the, on the, on the steps, and Marta sits down with him and says, uh, Jay, uh, you see these kids 
Every morning when you get up, you open your closet and you wonder, what am I going to wear today? And she told him, she said, you know, these kids, they don't do that. Because, number one, they don't have a closet. Number two, (laughs) they are wearing what they're going to wear today. That's all they got. And he said, that conversation changed his life. Because at that point, she told him, says, get up and start teaching these kids English. And he did. And it changed his life. And he, he then went on to learn Swahili, he went to Yale and African studies, and then on to the University of South Africa, and because he no longer took thought for what he was going to wear. If you saw him today, you'd know he didn't take thought for what he was going to wear. I'm <laughs> 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 no, just kidding. But um, that's a consuming care, taking all these thoughts for food and, and, all, and what's going to happen to me, what has happened to me you know, with our health. You know, you can't add one cubic, I'm too fat, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too skinny, I'm too bald, I can't see, I can't hear, I can't walk, etc., etc. We all have a catalog. We should have a catalog of the problems that are wrong with us. Now, he says future, verse 34. Don't worry about your future. We plan for the future. We ensure for the future. I know a young person who, while he was engaged, not even married, but he was engaged to get married, his father-in-law came to him and asked him, how much thought have you given to starting an insurance policy for long-term care? He said, <laughs> he said what's long-term care? <laughs> he said, well, that's when you can't go to the bathroom by yourself and you need someone to help you. He said, have you started to worry about that? <laughs> Not even married yet. And so worries for tomorrow drain out of us the strength that God has given us for today. That's what it does. It's a corroding care. It's destructive. What's the solution? Take the rebuke. He said, you of little faith. Remember, the word of God is given, all the scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for reproof. Number one, take it, you of little faith. And trust God for two things. For his prevision, his prevision. See, in, in verse 32, your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. That's the prevision of God. Trust him for that. That you don't have to, that, that this, what you need is not a shock to him. And trust him for his provision. That's verse 26. Your heavenly Father feedeth. That's provision. Verse 30, God so clothe. That's provision. It's wonderful for us to take ownership of the Lord who did this because he's so, he's so wonderful. And, you know, I remember one time after we finished our work and we got to go to the Serengeti to see the animals and there were ele- elephants there in the Serengeti. And we, we've had in our business up to 900 goats. And, and so we know very well the figure $150 per month. That's what it costs us to take care of one goat, $150 per month. So we had 900 one time. We don't have 900 now. I don't know how many you have, 100 or something. Anyway, what is it? And an elephant weighs about 150 times the weight of a goat, in case you're interested. And I don't even want to think about how much it costs to take care of an elephant for a month. But when we got to the Serengeti, and, saw, and I saw a herd of 200 elephants, I was terrified. <laughs> Not from the danger of the elephants, but with the thought of, who's going to pay for that? <laughs> who's going to pay that monthly bill to take care of all those elephants? God does. Every single day. With grass. And that was another 
interesting thing. I always thought grass was like, you know, keep it cut, keep it short, some of it's weed, but it's extremely important to the elephant and to other animals too. But God provides because God provisions what the elephant's going to need and he supplies. That's an amazing thing. And that's not just the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not just the Heavenly Father. As he said, that's our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our Heavenly Father. Your Heavenly Father. We have a very special relationship with the one who is providing and pre-seeing everything that will happen. That's a wonderful thing. What should we say then? If God's for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not freely give him all things? He says, look at the birds. Do you see the birds? You go to a nest of birds and you, see, and you see like, you know, reams of paper thrown all over the place with Excel spreadsheets on it. When they're sitting there, the birds are sitting there saying, oh, now when are we going to sow? We got to sow. You sow. And oh, and then we, on this date, in our, our timeline, we got to reap. You, know, you reap. We all have to reap. It's a big job. And then when are we going to start building these barns to take care of all this anyways? How are we going to do this? Poor birds, they need Valium. <laughs> He's saying that. They don't do that. But... They are fed. He says, or look at the lilies. He said, oh, i got to spin some beautiful fabric for myself. And the lily says, am I looking good? How do I look? He says, they don't do that. And then he says to them, he says, those lilies have got garments of glory. Look at Solomon in all of his glory. Those lilies are more glorious. Who did that? God did that. I was telling this to a Jewish friend of mine, a new believer, Yesterday, he was all worried because a half a million dollar business deal had just fallen through. And I was telling him about this passage and told him, you know, you trust God. And he says to me, he, 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 says, he says to me, in order for me to not worry, he said, my friend says, I need new blood. I have Jewish blood. I'm Jewish. <laughs> I told him, I said, you don't need a Gentile blood transfusion because what's in your blood is passion. I said, what's in your blood is passion. Now it's your heart's decision where you're going to place that passion. That's the issue there. Nobody can worry like Jewish mothers. You know, there's three Jewish grandmothers, bubbies, sitting on a bench. The first one gives a big sigh. She says, oi. Long, short silence. Second one gives a sigh. Oi vey. Silence. Third one gives a sigh. Oi vey smear. And the one of them says, I thought we agreed not to talk about our children. (laughs) Passion. Seek first the kingdom of God, not these other things. These other things, worry. Solution to worry, seek him. Seek him. Very simple. Worry is sinful. Worry will destroy. Your heavenly father knows you have need. In the beginning, don't get attached. There's an end. In the beginning, seek and save that which is lost. There's an end for them. In the beginning, God, first priority for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, for speaking to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for for calling a spade a spade and speaking direct to us. We received it this morning, Lord. Now help us to learn, help us to apply, help us to become to your words to become part of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, we've seen in the Genesis series how 
God stopped man from destroying himself at the Tower of Babel. In the history of the Jewish people, are there other places where God stopped man from destroying himself? Well, man has in several cases set out on a course to destroy himself. And in fact, the one which comes to mind is so prominent that actually brought about the great judgment by water, the flood, was recorded for us in Genesis 6, where it says, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping things and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What's so interesting here is that God says that he saw the wickedness of man, and it was great. What was the wickedness of man that was so great? He says, it was every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The great wickedness was that man only thought about evil all the time. He never thought about repentance. He never thought about he was wrong. He never thought that he has to return to God. He never thought that he was sorry. He never, ever thought any thoughts like that. He was just totally given over to doing wickedness, 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 nonstop. And God said, when that happened, God says, I'm sorry It repented the Lord that he had made man. He said, I'm sorry I did it. I'm sorry I made man on the earth. It grieved him in his heart. Now, why did it grieve him in his heart? Because man was making all the bad decisions and God says, oi, why did I make him? Why did I make him? And he was very, very sorry. And so he said, I'll destroy him whom I have created from the face of the earth. You know, it's very interesting that all the fossils which we find in the earth today, billions of them, were all created at this judgment, this water surface judgment. Billions and billions of fossils. Fossils of animals, marine animals, fossils of land animals, fossils of leaves, fossils, 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 billions. That's on the face of the earth. All the fossils are on the face of the earth. But you know what we never find on the face of the earth and no one's ever found? A fossil of man. Why not? Because God said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. And he did. But he says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It was a very terrible situation. But you know, in the history of the Jewish people, later on in Genesis chapter 6, chapter 20, verse 6, Genesis chapter 20, verse 6, we read this. It's really going back to a, 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 a painful history in the Jewish people. Why is it a painful history? Because it was a time of Abraham's weakness. What was Abraham's weakness? It was a time when he didn't trust God, and he knew he had a very, very beautiful wife, which he did, Sarah. 
And he knew that, that uh, the land that he was living in, where the king was Abimelech, was a land that was given over to sexual, 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 and that if any pretty woman shows up on the scene, that he's immediately, that woman is taken uh, into the harem of Abimelech, and that if there's a husband involved, the husband's killed. So Abraham says, uh, I don't know about God, but uh, she's pretty, I'm in danger, so I'm just gonna say that she's my sister. Sarah, will you please say that I'm just your sister, don't say anything about us being married. Sarah was very obedient, and she said, okay, she trusted God. And so what happened was that Abimelech, sure enough, took her, her in, but God honored especially Sarah's obedience to obey Abraham. And God stepped in, and God, we don't know the details, and we don't need to know the details, but whatever it was, he never touched her. Abimelech never touched Sarah. And Abimelech said to God, God, I didn't know that she was another man's wife. And God said to him, and that's where we come to Genesis 20, verse 6, God said to him, I know. God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. God was watching the whole thing. He was watching all of this, the intimates, everything. He saw it all. And he said, God said, I'm the one who kept you from sinning against me. That's who God is. God wants each one of us to come to him. He doesn't want to destroy us. He wants to save us. And so he puts every opportunity within our way to turn to him with all of our heart. He puts the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, in our paths. He says, turn to him, come to him, repent to him, confess your sins to him, take him as your offering for your sin, make his soul your offering for sin. As it says in Isaiah 53, im tasim Hashem nefsho, make his soul your offering for sin. Or as it says literally in the Hebrew, put your guilt on his soul. He says this over and over again. Why? Because I want to save you. Why? Because I don't want you to go to hell. Why? Because I'm even withholding you from destroying yourself to give you every opportunity. It's been truly said that if a person ends in hell, he has had to fight his way into hell. He's had to climb over every fence that God has put in his way so that he ends up in hell because it's not God's will. It's not God's intention. And God puts 
every barrier that says wrong way, wrong way, don't go the way, don't go the way of trying to work your way into heaven, don't go the way of trying to establish your own righteousness, don't go the way of hardening your heart to God and saying, God, I don't need you, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, all of these ways that that God has put up like flashing lights saying, stop, 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 turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's doing all of this so that for one purpose, he's not willing for anyone to perish. He wants every person to be saved and to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the history of the Jewish people, in this situation where God said to Abimelech, I also withheld thee from sinning against me, therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. That shows us the heart of God. He wants everyone to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. Tomorrow, Tom Cantor will begin our study of what is a Jew by birth versus a Jew by choice. Today's message and previous messages are available for listening or free to download from our websites at friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. There you can learn more about Tom Cantor and study more about the friendship of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can also contact us directly by phone at one 800 247 30 and we can send you a copy of today's broadcast. You can also find Israel Restoration Ministries on Facebook and receive a daily devotional from Tom Cantor. You can also contact Tom Cantor by sending an email to tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Join us again tomorrow at this same time.